So you wanna know how to beat chronic pain. Well, in today's video, in episode series, we're going deep, man. We're gonna go deep in the concept of pain science. This is a must watch for anybody who's ever injured themselves or anyone who suffers chronic or continuous pain. We're gonna get stuck in right now. All right, guys, if this is your first time rolling with the Unity Tribe and the Sound of Movement podcast, then allow me to introduce us. To my left, I've got Phil White, none other than AKA Dr. Phil. Behind the cam and doing all the mixer, I've got Richard. Uh, and outside, I've got Rad. And, and believe it or not, Rad is back today. He's not on the show today, but he is back today. He's out there. We've got a lot coming up. We've got a lot of really cool stuff coming on the show. Uh, and we're also doing a big reconstruct of the gym floor at the moment. So we're out there sort of designing some stuff. Very exciting. Very exciting. Now, Phil's organized. He's got sl a slide deck and everything for this show. Yeah. This is this is big, and it's on a it. big topic. So how are you feeling, first of all? You said you're a little bit sick today. Yeah, yeah, classic. Like, you get a long weekend and then just get struck down by an illness. So, yeah. uh, But it was good. It meant that I was changing my desk, getting things done, because I'm really excited about uh, all the stuff we're launching here. And um, a lot of that was the podcast. So if you didn't know, we've got the, the podcast up and running. I think Rich is even putting the logo up now, because we're high tech yeah. like that. That's uh, right. Yes, if you go to soundofmovement.com, it will show you how to listen on any platform. So I work really hard to try and get those live up on the day, I mean, up on the same day. So if yeah. you could subscribe. It's a, and it, and it sounds really good. I'm going to throw mm. it out there. I've listened to a few of the episodes on my way into work just to see what we sound like. And uh, yeah. we're always leveling up and improving. And one of our big goals this year is to level up the video production of this project uh, and turn it into a bit more of a podcasting sort of environment, a bit of Joe Rogan style with a table. We'll have across the table discussions. We're getting some awesome guests in and we're going to separate it from the weekly workouts that we do out on the gym floor so that it's more user friendly to the podcast listeners. And the way we're going to make it exciting is just by getting some really cool people in to join the table. So uh, very excited and I'm very thankful and grateful for Phil for taking that on as a little side project for himself as if, you know, starting a new business and treating all of his patients and giving back to you guys, the community. He's like answering questions all day long. As if that wasn't enough work for him, he's decided to take on a big project, uh, which is the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah and I'm excited to get my own podcast up and running. So this is a bit of like a, a test project. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a seriously <laughs> ulterior agenda yeah. and motive here. He's just practicing and rehearsing yeah. so that he gets his Learning big one going. But look who's back. Woo! The man. The rad star. Hey, everyone. He's actually <laughs> doing some work today, which is a quite quite a, amazing. No, that's not true. He's been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, especially for our online tribe. And uh, that's something else that we're really, really working hard behind the scenes to uh, make better. Uh, so anyway, look, let's dive into the topic of yeah. today's discussion. Now, really, I'm going to be uh, um, Phil's co-host today because this is the topic that he is an absolute expert in and I am a bit of a passenger. Uh, but I have one really, really important and quite valuable insight, which is that I have experienced a lot of pain in my life. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> helpful because I think uh, what we're going to be talking about today is, you know, just it's so relevant to bring it back to your own personal experiences. And I'll be, you know, talking about some of my personal experiences that made uh, this sort of stuff really click home um, for me. Uh, yeah, on the, the point of me being an expert about this stuff, like I, I see myself as definitely a lifelong learner and I'm trying to, you know, 
figure it out the best I can, but there are so many people out there and I'll, I'll link you to some videos that, um, of some, some people who live and breathe this stuff who really uh, have some, some neat little videos if you're interested more. But yeah, we'll be, depending on how interested people are in this topic, we can... Uh, is the, is the slide deck proprietary? It is, isn't it, Macquarie University? Uh, yeah, well, so, this yeah, is... We can't make it available to people. Yeah, but yeah, it's a pretty simple, just um, six core concepts that I want to go to today, which might challenge your ideas of um, what what is causing okay. what is causing your pain. So just to reiterate, I can't give you the slide deck, so don't ask for it because it's it's supplied <laughs> by the university, and I'd probably be in breach of some sort of proprietary yeah. information. Maybe, but also like yeah, write it down. It's yeah, pretty yeah, simple. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, pretty yeah, simple. That's right. Yeah. Hello, Quark. Hello, Jarakichi from New Zealand, and I think Quark is up in Queensland. Is that right? Uh, Australia? I think so, yeah. 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 Quark, tell us where you're from, uh, where, where you are. And uh, we have... Jared Kitchi saying, welcome back, Rad. Welcome, yeah, welcome back, Rad. WB, that took me a little while to get. Yeah, yeah, the, uh... <laughs> and we have Seed, um, uh, who is... Kumaran. Kumaran, yeah. And I actually um, spoke to Kumaran on Facebook the other day and promised him that I'd never forget who Bioxid was. Yeah, and I just did, aliases. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was up really late working last night, guys. So yeah. uh, please excuse any um, failed attempt to remember people's names today. My brain is still waking up. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into it? Let's get into it. Um, I think to start off with, I just really want to talk about the massive problem that is pain and, and especially chronic pain because... I was looking like in the. I was going back over some of the lectures we had from uni and um, a few of the talks, and uh, it was talking about like the the burden on the healthcare system. And so in America, the amount of money that goes into pain is more than cancer, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes combined. Combined, yeah. So yeah, like huge. they're the you know the, the biggest like diseases that are you know like an absolute epidemic on the the whole nation of America and, and, you know, all the countries around the world. Like, they're the big ones. Yeah. And then pain just trumps all, all three of them, them, all of them yeah. combined. So, yeah. yeah, it was like $600 billion a year goes into, Jeez. like, chronic pain management in in the U.S. And then, like, the thing, you know, that's, that's what, like, sure, that's a lot of money. But then you think about how poorly, how poor the outcomes are. Yeah. Like, they've got this fucking epidemic. Sorry about the swearing, but it, I get really um, worked up about, about this sort of stuff. Yeah. But, like, you have a, a chronic pain epidemic where people are on, you know, get addicted to opioids, and then, like, so many people's lives are falling apart because of these, um, you know, addictive medications. And so you think, like, they've, they've put $600 million into this, and then they've got a, arguably... $600 billion. Uh, sorry, $600 billion, billion yeah, yeah, with yeah, a B. An, an extra zero. Yeah, and yeah. then they've got, like, a terrible outcome from it. And yeah. it's just such a massive problem, and the only way that people are going to you know get out of this this huge issue is if, if people understand pain better and can take control themselves and and part of that is going to be the medical community getting up to date with the latest pain science because there's so who's at fault i mean i know i don't want to point the finger but who's at fault here is it do- is it doctors just over prescribing pain medication but, or is it yeah what do you think about fault like i definitely am <coughs> apprehensive to put the fault on doctors because you know it, it, like people are working from what they know and i think people have the like pe- people in healthcare generally have patient's best um, interest, at heart. Yeah, yep. interest at heart. And I really, you know, believe that. But there are like very outdated ideas of, of pain that have influenced what maybe doctors think yep. uh, are the best ways to deal with pain. And then there are the, uh, there is big money involved in the pharmaceutical world. And so if you can get people, you know, using your, your pills over and over again, then uh, you're going to have, you're going to make a lot of money. So it's a bit cynical, but I think that the pharmaceutical hey, industry... It's a, reali- uh, it's a reality. You yeah. know, they, they, they start with the best intentions, but then when money becomes involved, it does become a bit of a race, yeah. a, a, a race to make more of it. And... 
Uh, I do believe that pharmaceutical cops a lot of flack, but and, and their intentions are generally good. But as I said, once money becomes involved, um, it, 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 the, the best intentions can be washed away very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, it's it's you know. As a doctor, it's probably quite appealing to have someone come in and, and do a little like presentation and pay for your lunch and you know take you to nice sort of conventions and and uh, people who are selling you pills can do that. But uh, you know people who are encouraging exercise, healthy living, like adequate sleep, all these things that really do help pain long term. Uh, you don't know, really they have don't, the <laughs> don't have the budget to do that. <laughs> they don't so, have the budget. Uh, so we're getting flogged, people. We, yeah. We're losing the battle. But you can help by tuning in today and smashing the like button because if you smash the like button, we're going to go deeper in this conversation. Yeah. If you don't smash the like button and we don't get a bit of um, engagement, then uh, you know we may, we may just brush over it and move on to the next topic. So uh, make yeah. sure that, and if, yeah. If there's, some, if there's something that you kind of can uh, like feel happens with yourself so if you if you have pain or or even if you, like especially if you know someone who really struggles with chronic pain and maybe is pretty reliant on medications uh share this video and share or share the podcast with them and and help them understand um you know ways in which they can can move on from that yeah absolutely sorry i'm just adjusting my mic here because yeah. apparently phil sounds better than me and we cannot have that yeah well, I told we cannot yeah. have that yeah <laughs> all right beautiful so um I guess to start out with, I'm just going to go through the six core concepts of pain, which um, the, uh, oh, sorry, this high tech different camera angles is, is I'm, I'm learning, you know, I haven't had the, uh, <laughs> he hasn't had the, the, the privilege of the, uh, yeah, that's my right. own camera. So, right, camera so now Yanni, you can pick your nose, hang out. Do yeah, that's want. right. Yeah. I'm, I'm still here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so the six core concepts of pain, uh, there's a, uh, basically the, was like the foundation in our first week when we went to uh, uni, they're really trying to make this the um, like the, the, the lens in which you see every other part of your physiotherapy journey is understanding the pain from the get-go. So um, number and one- this is fairly new, isn't it now? Yeah, like yeah. Very, like it's, it's very new. It's, it's, it's even um, new to be getting taught this at university. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and this is going to be the, the thing that really starts to shift that culture around what doctors and health right. professionals are yep. prescribing and yep. for pain. So uh, with- the six core concepts of pain. The first one is that pain is always an output of the brain, 100% of the time. Yeah. And so that might be a bit sort of strange for people to think about. That you know, when you think about pain, it's like such a, a you know, a, a somatic experience. Like your body, you feel the pain like where. Yeah. Very know, specific to where you think the injury is. Yes. This is a, and I'm just going to elaborate from someone who doesn't come across as, a, as as scientific. This was a big breakthrough for me and my understanding of pain when Phil explained this to me because I used to t say, you know, you've got pain receptors in mm. your tissue uh, that feed information back to the central nervous system and the brain, and that's incorrect. It's not right. Yeah. And I don't know where I formed that notion, and I think well, there is a, a notion generally that yeah, that's what's occurring. 100%. That's like the old school you know, thinking was that, you know, you activate your pain receptors and then, you know, the more you activate them, the more pain you feel. Yeah, and I think that's that, right. like, it makes a lot of sense to think about it like that, that way because, you know, it's it would it's, it's obvious it, yeah, seems it, logical. it just seems very yeah. logical but yep. yeah with the body uh you know there's kind of really interesting things at play here and so uh to go a bit further into that next so just very quickly just very quickly so if i pinch myself here and i mm -hmm. get go to a level where i experience uh pain more than discomfort what's actually happening my br my brain is going okay that's not cool yeah and making me feel a certain way yeah so what happens is you have a whole bunch of different receptors so instead of thinking about having pain receptors think about uh you just have 
lots and lots of like information. So you've got really, really fast uh, fibers. So with your nerves, you have some that um, send signals really quickly. You have some signals that um, are not so quick. So the really quick ones you want are related to um, proprioception. So how we can stay balanced and we can know where our limbs are in space and if we're going to run into things or, you know, walk off a cliff. So uh, proprioception is probably something that a word that people understand, but that's idea where you understand where your limbs are in space. So it's really important that if you have something that touches your skin, that signal gets to your brain really quickly so you can then act on that signal. So yep. the first thing you're getting is just that uh, there is a non-noxious, non so like a, a stimulus that is touching me, and then your brain will you know, deal with that. The next sort of things, you, you also have um, receptors that are related to uh, pressure and temperature. Um, and then the thing that people get confused with with um, pain receptors is your nociceptors. Yep. So nociceptors, they are the things that um, basically um, can sense damage in that area. Yep. So uh, when they sense that damage, then they have a, a fairly kind of, they have a slightly, there's two different types of, I won't get too deep into it. Basically, it sends brain um, information up to your brain being like, hey, there's something, something has happened yep. here. Yeah, there's damage occurring. Yeah, yep. exactly. So just be, to be really clear there, they're not saying, hey, this hurts. They're saying there is damage. Yeah. Okay? okay. So you have these peripheral nerves. So that so with you pinching your hand here, they're going to go from they're going to have whatever nerves that are dealing with this particular part are yeah. going to be connected to your spinal cord. So that nerve signal will run up through your arm, up to your neck. So around you know your neck region, it'll enter the spinal cord. Yep. So then at your spinal cord area, you have basically your spinal cord then modulates that signal. So depending on your uh, your kind of um, physiological state, so whether or not you are, um, you know, have like a lot of adrenaline around, if you're in sort of fight or flight mode, you might sort of downplay that being like, hey, it doesn't matter, I'm getting pinched here, I'm running away from a lion. Yeah. So your spinal, at the spinal cord level, that signal may get just turned way down. So yeah, that's why you can, right. if you're all excited and you're, you know, in that sort of really heightened state and you're sprinting through a bush and you're getting like sticks whack in the face, you don't even realize or something like that, yeah. that kind yeah. of idea because your your spinal cord level you're in that really heightened state so things are just being like okay yeah. we're turning everything down here just yeah. so that we can get a, on with a, what we're a trying good to do. example i think is like if you've ever watched tour de france i i'm quite fascinated with tour de france because it's just such an elite level of sport and you'll see guys take like a really serious fall mm. and break a collarbone and they'll get up and keep riding if the bike is okay you know yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they got so much adrenaline going because of the accident and because of yeah. the race and and they're in this like intense focus mode and then you see them finish a, a leg they might uh, ride and uh, like kilometers and kilometers miles and miles and miles and then at the end they you know collapse and can't, experience yeah, the pain move. you know and <laughs> yeah. can't move and they have yeah. to get rushed to hospital because they've snapped their collarbone and yeah. whatever and else. so just to be really precise here um what i'm talking about is the physiological presence of this like adrenaline so this chemical change in your body that's what's happening at the spinal cord level yeah so then um with so other things that can influence that is inflammation and, and all sorts of other stuff. But just to kind of go on that, that same example you've got, so that the um, when they've had the crash in the Tour de France, they probably got like, you know, that jet, like that, that chemical change in their body with the adrenaline. Yep. But then you have the signal that's been modulated at the spinal cord level. It goes up through your spine and gets into your brain. And so within the brain, you then have um, your thoughts, moods, beliefs, context, all of those factors then influence how much sort of descending, um, so from the top down, like your brain is now modulating how much pain you're experiencing. So for people in that um, example of uh, the Tour de France, like they have 
their, their context is that, you know, they're thinking about, hey, this is a race that I've, you know, dreamed about being in my whole life. Like I've trained, you know, I've put so much into this. Um, so all of that sort of context and then their emotions around it, they're probably pretty emotionally charged by, um, you know, the experience. And, and, and basically all of those things will have a modulatory effect on that pain experience. Whereas if uh, to kind of flip it and to be in someone who's maybe in a more sensitized state who if they have a noxious stimulus or a heat stimulus or, or something like that and they're in a sensitized state, maybe they haven't had much sleep, maybe they've kind of got chronic inflammation from having a fairly poor diet, um, then the, you know, if you do that pinching thing and um, you might have experienced this if you've had the flu where you put on clothes and even just like the pressure of yeah, like the clothing on absolutely. you. Like, so that kind of level of of sensitization, it goes up through your, you know, those same signals, they get to your spinal cord level and then they get amplified, amplified. Yeah. And yeah. then you go up into your um, brain where you're maybe feeling a bit sorry for yourself. You may be, you know, in this feeling like, oh, I can't be like, I really want to be doing the things like I have a lot to get done. I'm really stressed now. I'm not going to be able to go to work. So maybe I won't get paid. Yeah. All of these things have now just turned up yeah. Yeah. your and experience and really. amplified your pain even more. Yeah. So it gets to that point where things that really wouldn't otherwise be painful are suddenly excruciating. Yeah. And yeah. so the term, there's a few different terms for that. So there's um, hyperalgesia, which is basically if you have a noxious stimulus, so something that is actually causing damage, if you feel a increase in pain from a noxious stimulus, so like if you were to pinch yourself and like regularly that would kind of hurt, but if you did it and it really hurt, then that's kind of hyperalgesia, which people might have experienced before. But then allodynia is what I was talking about with the um, T-shirt example of yep. when you have the flu and you're just like, ah, everything hurts. Yep. Even things that would otherwise definitely, you know, you don't notice yeah. your T-shirt a lot of the time because all of those signals of um, contact and pressure that are the, the fabric on your skin, they get to your spinal cord and they don't even get it past there because they just get turned right down. Yeah, so at right. this time, they, all those signals are always happening and they're just getting turned up to 11. Yeah. And so now you've got what's called allodynia where a non-noxious stimulus, so something like that T-shirt, is now actually causing a pain experience. Yeah, right. That's cool, really hey? interesting. Yeah, very, very cool. I mean, cool and also really crap at the same time. No, I think it's know? amazing because just imagine if you always felt the same amount of pain from like, uh, you know, the same stimulus and you were trying to escape from a, a lion chasing you and you stubbed your toe. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, if Absolutely. you stubbed your toe and then you were just like lying well, on the, the other, floor like the I other carry really, on The other really cool <laughs> thing about this, which has me really fascinated, is that there's a lot of research going on at, um, even at the moment uh, and for the last couple of decades on pain management because there are certain situations where and and the one that comes to mind that i can think of is uh, uh, in a limb amputee situation from a trauma or a traumatic experience they have a lot of this with uh, with war veterans who have lost a limb or been in quite a traumatic injury they have this phantom pain that goes on and they no amount of pain pills or drugs or anything else will do anything for it. They don't have the limb anymore, but they still feel the injury. They feel the limb. Do you know and what the the way in which they fix that pain now? Through, through through like through a mirror. Through, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. through like like literally like mindset, emotion, well, looking no, at it. Even, and even yeah, even more than than the mindset and the emotion is, it's you just trick the brain. Yeah, like that's what's so fascinating about this. There's there's not like you're you know at where you've had the amputation, your nerve signal like your nerve fibers will have some changes there where they just start sending um, some you know kind of random signaling, and then that all gets kind of processed by the um, spinal cord and the brain, as with every other thing we've talked about before. But yeah, now uh, if you have an amputated hand, there's some really great videos of um, this mirror box therapy is what it's called, where um, basically you put your hand in a box that if my right arm's amputated, 
probably do the left one because you wouldn't see, want to see a watch on both arms. So yep. if I had my left arm amputated and then I put my hand here and there's a mirror just there. So if I'm looking down, yep. I see as if I've got two hands two now hands. instead of the one. And then um, often the, the phantom limb pain will feel like a real cramping, like an inability to let go. That's one of the really yep. horrible ones where it's sometimes not in pain, but just like every time you think about it, your fist clenches harder and harder and harder yep. and harder and you, don't, you can never let it go. And so basically all they do is just look at, have that kind of reflection of the hand, which makes it look like they've got a left hand give it a bit of wiggle, it goes away. And it goes away. Like yeah. Just amazing yeah, yeah. how, and, and a really good example of how you can show, like you can you can trick your brain and that will totally change your experience of yeah. the pain. Yeah. Now, anyone who's interested in that, um, I read a fantastic book last year or the year before by a guy called Norman Deutsch who wrote a book called The Brain's Way of Healing. And uh, he goes really deep into that. And Is that the brain that heals itself? The brain, no. no. The, brain's, um, the brain that changes oh, yeah. uh, is his first book. Okay. His second book was specific to pain science. Yep. And uh, he went and spent a whole bunch of time in a few of the universities and clinics over in America where they're training these uh, amputees and teaching them how to overcome pain to switch off pain through a form of meditation, essentially. And and the, he, he talked about that exact um, exercise as well at yep. length. And there's some other really good ones where you can trick yourself into thinking that a plastic dummy of, your, of a hand is your own hand, own hand yeah. using a similar sort of techniques. Yep. And uh, there's some pretty funny videos you can watch on YouTube of uh, people getting convinced that their plastic hand is their, their own hand and, then, yeah. and, and that they can actually feel what's happening to this plastic hand yeah. and then they smash it with a hammer and the people freak out. Yeah, so there's some really yeah. good videos of that. And there's also <laughs> another interesting one of... Um, people basically wearing a VR, one person wearing a VR headset and then another person um, wearing kind of uh, like a Google glasses, which is recording the field of view of yep. um, the other person. So they're standing next to each other. So as if we were looking at each other, I was wearing the VR headset and then you were wearing the goggles yep. and then they get them to shake hands. And so what I'm seeing is me. So you're, you're wearing the go goggles and I'm wearing the VR headset. Yep. So I'm seeing myself shake my own hand, but then they get, um, they basically like, produce a pain stimulus on one person, the person whose uh, field of vision it is, and then basically it just gets them totally mixed up where the person who has the VR headset says, yes, it hurts there on the other person, even though they're feeling it on themselves. Yeah, like right. just, just some like yeah. zany Crazy kind of stuff, stuff to show that. So what we're, what we're really, <laughs> you know, what we're really trying to reinforce here is that the, the, the vast majority of it, all of it is coming from the brain. 100%. And just as, just as a, a brain can signal that you're in pain, it can be switched off as well. And yeah, that's, or turned down. Or turned down. That's yeah. right. And that's really important. Quok, thank you for letting us know that you're in Brisbane. Now, guys, um, I'd love to know, before we go further, is anyone who watches, is anyone experiencing um, uh, ongoing pain? Like, and, and, and what's your experience of it? And what are you doing to manage it? You know, are you medicating or are you uh, uh, interested in, in learning about ways that you can sort of um, tone it down, turn it down, or even overcome it just through... Uh, diff totally different strategies than medication. Yeah. So we'll move on to the um, number two of the six core concepts of pain, which is pain does not equal the amount of tissue damage, which is something I've sort of covered here. But um, I think it can kind of a useful couple of anecdotes that can help kind of understand that is uh, the classic story of the this this guy who was in a um, construction site and he was walking around. He had um, uh, this is kind of back in the day. Uh, didn't I don't think they had sort of as steel reinforced work boots then and um, basically he stepped on a nail and the nail went through the bottom of his shoe and straight up and was poking out the top of his shoe and so understandably absolutely screaming in pain 
gets taken off to hospital, like they need to like delicately move him and, um, you know, he's just in absolute agony, get to the hospital, they've got like, they're trying to cut the shoe off and, you know, any amount of, you know, if, if they even bump the, the nail or, or move the, the foot too much, he just, you know, is screaming out in agony. And so they painstakingly cut the shoe off and they realize that the nail has gone directly in between his toes yeah, and has hasn't not actually, hasn't actually, actually pierced yeah. through. <laughs> hasn't pierced his oh, foot. You and, as, and as soon yeah. as he sees that, then suddenly all of the embarrassment totally overrides any amount of pain he was feeling that, yeah, uh, yeah basically uh, it, it was all of the, the con- like the context, it was the emotions around seeing yeah. yourself, you know, in this sort of situation is, you know, at work, he's probably stressed. So all of these things uh, would have just, so you would have had the feeling of like the, the touch, sensation of touch of the um, nail touching up against his, the skin in between his, his toes, yeah. but that's got to the spinal cord level. It's been, yeah. turned up and then it's got to the brain and it's got yeah. turned up until it's, you know. Look, I had this experience only a few years ago when I came off my mountain bike and sort of almost degloved my foot. I hit the chain cog and caused quite a severe um, uh, trauma uh, cut um, ga- gash to my shin and um, I severed the anterior tibialis tendon, which is the tendon that runs down the front of your shin uh, completely. I, it, was, it was holding on by a few threads, but it didn't function anymore. And I didn't feel any pain at all. It just felt like a shinny, you know, when you kick the pedal on your, on your mountain bike. And I went to take a step to pick my bike up uh, and my foot gave out and I fell over. And then it wasn't until I looked down and saw this gaping gash in the front of my shin and all of the tissues and the nerves and everything exposed, did I go, oh, wow, um, that's quite painful. Like, I honestly yeah. didn't feel a thing. Yeah. And um, other than the, you know, the concept of yeah. a shinny, which we've all done many a time on a BMX bike. that's exactly bike. right, because you've got the context of, like, when you're mountain biking, you know, you've kind of got this, like, heightened sort of flight or flight state. You've got the kind of context of like, hey, this is kind of a fun but a bit dangerous sort of thing. Yeah. And then you, when you actually get the, you know, hit your shin um, against the, the, the pedal, it's like, oh, I've, I've done this before. Your yeah. body has been in this context before. Your brain's like, hey, this is cool. We've, we've had this before. It hurt really badly, but then we moved on and we were totally fine. Uh, don't worry about, you know, your shin, your, your shin's fine. So yeah. that's like the subconscious thing that your brain's telling yourself. And so your level of p- danger, because if we think about pain as perceived threat, so your perceived threat is the experience of your pain. And so your brain's like, hey, all good. And yeah. that signal is getting kind of turned down. But then when you look at your leg and you see, <laughs> you that, see hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> the, the biggest gash that I've ever had yeah. to my body you know, you can and s- opened up so you can see everything. Uh, yeah. you, you asked Rad, he, he, did, he disliked it. I was like, Tell me how bad it is. And he's like, man, I don't want to look at that. That's gross. Yeah. So now your perceived threat is rightfully so has just gone through the roof. And now your pain will yeah, yeah. <laughs> have that kind of context and that sort of application, amplification yeah, around that's it. That's right. And so. apparently in, in uh, the, the book, The Brain's Way of Healing, Norman Deutsch points out that you've got like scales of pain from one to 10. And they, the way they describe it is um, 10 is like getting... Um, imagine getting dropped into a boiling vial of hot oil. You know, that, that would be like just send it off the Richter scale. Apparently, when you hit a, pa- a pain level of 10 on the pain meter, uh, it shuts off. And your brain shuts off because it's too much for the body to, to c- uh, comprehend and cope with. And that's w- what sort of triggered them to want to go down this path of, okay, well, if the brain can shut it off at that level, why can't we shut it off at a one, two, three, four, or five? Yeah, right. We should be able to train the brain to do that, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's apparently what initiated the extensive research that they're doing now. 
can't remember the the clinics and universities, but you can get that book and look it up, or you can yeah. Google it. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Let's so go to just number on, three. Uh, just on that uh, second point, I just want to have a really uh, clear example, which is just so common, and I see in the clinical at time um, for the pain does not equal the amount of tissue damage. Um, is when you think about uh, knee osteoarthritis. Yep. So is some really kind of cool studies showing where they uh, X-ray like a whole population of people over the age of sixty, um, and Basically, they like on those X-rays. You can see some people who have like definite joint narrowing, where they've had a lot of the cartilage is no longer um, sort of looking pretty, like it did back in you know when the yeah. person was younger. And then you'll have some people who are like you know there's basically that kind of bone on bone thing that people love to talk about. And then other people who have you know what would otherwise look like a pretty normal joint space with with a normal amount of cartilage. Um, and then they like get their pain scales from each of these people and and. It's really interesting that there is no correlation between the amount of, uh, I guess, tish, like the conventional damage you'd see and the, the amount of pain, the amount of pain they're experiencing. So yeah. that, I found that really fascinating. And I think you can tie it into the same um, topic is that I think it was last year or a few years ago, they did a study on Olympic athletes who had uh, qualified for the Olympics to see what sort of um, um, spinal damage they had. Yeah. Uh, and um, they found that it was a, the vast majority of Olympic level athletes had quite what would be considered quite severe degenera degenerative damage to their spines, disc bulges, all sorts of different stuff. And uh, stuff that a lot of people would go to a physio um, therapist or a chiropractor complaining about, and none of these athletes had experienced any um, uh, discomfort whatsoever in the spine. Yeah. You know, and we all have and this yeah, huge it's... freak out about like, oh, you've been diagnosed with a disc bulge. It's it's like life over. Yeah. But these athletes, like all of them, I think it was like it's like a whopping amount, like sixty-seven percent of them had uh, some form of a like yeah, severe yeah, disc bulge. It's the same you know? with like uh, patella tendinopathy. Um, like basically if an athlete doesn't have it it's a sign that they're, they're probably they're, they're not an athlete like yeah, <laughs> basically yeah, like right. that is your body's way of like adapting to this force over time and if you are still able to maintain you know your activity then it's just that's the body is adapted to do that and there's like no issue it's kind of like you know, people are thinking about it more like you have wrinkles because you've been out in the sun a bit. Yeah, like yeah. your body has just adapted with it and sure you know like it doesn't look as pretty but yeah. like it's it's if you're not experiencing issues it's from not, it, then it's, it's not, not the a problem. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Really yeah. interesting. Um, so, yeah, with the... Uh, I think, yeah, people can probably appreciate that, yeah, with the someone who's got arthritis, they've often got a whole lot of other stuff going on. So they've, they've usually got arthritis because they've been inactive for a long period of time. Uh, with that, it's quite common in, in people who are uh, generally a bit heavier. Um, and so they've probably got like, uh, you know, a less than ideal nutritional situation going on. This is what I was going to ask. Is there any correlation? Because I read recently doing research for my book that I'm writing on nutrition at the moment that... Um, uh, there are some nutrition scientists and and and, and scientists um, doing studies on the correlation between like leaky gut or or nutritional health. Um, yeah, gut so health I remember when I was talking about all the things in the um, spinal cord. So when we talk about the spinal cord modulation, there's it basically comes down to the kind of physiological condition of the person. Yep. And so when we think about those sort of nutritional um, conditions is often that kind of results in a in a level of um, chronic inflammation yeah. and so that chronic inflammation is when uh, is, is one of the factors that can really increase like amplify things at that spinal cord level yeah. so certainly um, yeah it's something yeah, that's, cool. that's definitely involved 
Uh, we might just pause here and see what uh, Bike Seed's got to say. So Kumran, uh, I can't read from that far away. Okay, so he said, speaking of fun pain experiences, one of the worst pain I felt was a cricket ball into the fingers. I literally couldn't see properly from the pain, but my fingers were fine afterwards, afterwards being just minutes later. Uh, I can certainly relate. <laughs> I've, I've broken so many of my fingers, um, Kumran, and that a lot of it came from my boxing days. Uh, one of the worst came from getting a basketball on the end of my finger, oh, playing yeah. basketball, which is a pretty common injury to get when you, you're not looking. You see the pass coming and you go to look at your next move and you just don't misjudge where the ball's going into your hand and it cocks you on the end of the finger. I don't, I don't know if I've ever spoken to a basketball player who hasn't had that happen at least once, but it really damaged my, my finger and it never recovered from it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Is, is there like more um, nerve happening in the fingers yeah. or something? So I think like... if, if people are watching and are sitting at a computer, um, have a look at, go into Google Images, don't turn us off, but go into Google Images and <laughs> uh, search homunculus. And so if you look at the homunculus, basically it's a representation of a human, but giving the uh, changing the size of the parts of the body to represent how much nerve like innovation you have at that area. And so if you look at it, the two things that really stand out is that they have enormous hands. Like yeah. <laughs> basically your hands are just like, you know, uh, would look like they're about you know, 40% of your body weight. And then your lips are really big. Yeah. And then everything else is kind of like shrunken away really. Yeah, and so, right. yeah, your, your hands have the, uh, um, just so much more innovation because you've got to be able to uh, discriminate against things that you're interacting with. And so much of what we interact with is either from our hands or with our mouth. Yeah, so, um, right. so when you're put ingesting things, you want to know if it's going to be something that's likely to cause you, yeah, you know, kill you yeah, or, if it's yeah, really hot yeah. or if it's spiky or yeah. all these things that could do internal damage. Um, and also we want taste to kind of give us information about that food as well. Yeah. Um, but with our hands, we've got to be able to, you know, manipulate objects in front of us, have these fine motor skills. It's what's allowed humans to, you know, be so, uh, effective with tools and, and advanced our sort of, you know, yeah. our species over time. So our hands are just incredibly um, well sensitized. And one thing that, um, that two-point discrimination is a little test you can do where basically you get um, two little pinpricks and you go, you see how close together you can uh, discriminate two distinct, um, uh, like, uh, pinpricks. So you, you do that on your hand if you're not looking at it and you're going to say like, oh, okay, I can feel it basically within a centimeter. But then if you were to get someone to do that same thing on your back, for example, and then they have like two points of contact, it's basically once it gets within about five centimeters, you can't tell like that there's two there. It just feels like yeah, one because your right. body isn't going to innovate your whole body like that. Because then can you yeah. imagine if you're sitting up against a like a, a remotely kind of, you know, spiky like rock or chair, it would just be intense. like yeah. <laughs> so yeah. intense because you'd be feeling absolutely everything. Yeah. So the body is like and the brain has really developed a clever way of basically sending like being able to get information from places where it's useful to get information yep. from and for those other areas discriminate places that aren't exactly yeah, so yeah, that's, that's just fantastic a, um, well there you go um so uh, yeah, whenever something happens to your hands or if you get like punched in the face like you'll 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 feel it if it hits you in the lips like yeah. anything around your mouth you burn your foot like po yeah possibly one of the most painful things that i've ever experienced is um smashing my thumb with a hammer uh, oh, yeah. so badly that i split the bone and Ooh. i was breaking wow. blocks yeah i was i was um um uh breaking blocks working as a bricklayer and um 
I, uh, you know, you, you have to hit them with a, a sharp object that splits the brick and you're hitting it with a mallet hammer. And I just stupidly didn't, wasn't concentrating and had my thumb on top and hit it at full force. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was yeah. horrendous. So maybe, um, if you're, uh, watching live or you're watching after the fact, maybe just put in the comments, the thing that has caused you the most physical pain ever, and then, uh, have a look through the list and we'll press like on the, you know, the worst anyone to get a bit of a tally of like, I wonder if anyone. I wonder if anyone's going to say my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, that's why I did. I did say. I did say physical pain. So uh, yeah, we'll do. Like, check it down there. It'd be interesting to do it, and then we can maybe uh, talk about some of those experiences. If people do want to hear more about this over the coming week, yeah, uh, we can talk about some of those examples of how it, uh, you know, your brain's yeah. probably dealing with those those pain experiences. Yeah. So uh, we'll keep. Okay, keep ten minutes more on this show. So where, yeah, where we, are we? We're on number we three. Through we two. Made it through two. That's all right. But, we'll keep going. Uh, with number three, like a lot of these do, kind of we've talked about already in these examples. So number three is that pain is influenced by multiple factors such as thoughts, activities, sleep, mood, and stress. So it's exactly Ooh, as I've talked about before. That's so, deep. Let that but, resonate for a little bit, folks. So again, thinking about taking that Panadol tablet, um, when you're taking that Panadol tablet, it doesn't change any of your thoughts, activities, sleep, mood, or stress. It may change your thoughts slightly, which is why the placebo is so um, powerful is that you've you've taken something that you know your doctor or your like the culture has said is is something that's really helpful for to get rid of this pain. So maybe your thoughts are really amplifying the effect of that paracetamol you're taking yep. or the anti-inflammatories or whatever you're, you're taking. Um, and that's why a sugar pill could probably be about as effective a lot of the time as paracetamol because the thoughts around what you're doing for yourself yeah. um, is so powerful. And th and you can probably um, correct me here if I'm wrong, but. When, you're, when a pharmaceutical company is releasing a new drug or a new medication, uh, they generally have to go up against placebo to prove that it's, to, to get it uh, approved by the medical board. And as far as I know, they only have to beat placebo by 30%. Is that right? It's, sure. it's very, they talk about that also in, the, uh, in Norman Deutsch's book and they go through the statistics and it's ridiculously, like if it just outperforms placebo by, you know, a little bit, then it's like, okay, approved. That's good and enough. That, and know? that's just, that's not just <laughs> say that those drugs aren't working well it's to say that placebo is bloody placebo good placebo <laughs> is really good that's exactly right you know you guys yeah. got to understand that this, this is this is what i think the macro and what i hope to get across in this whole series on pain science is that you know, you have a lot of control over this stuff, 100%. Uh, a lot of control over it. And we talk about con the concept of a pain, uh, an injury identity as being one of the fundamental reasons why a lot of people don't ever overcome an injury. Uh, this is like, this is why, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Now we're going deep as to why. Okay, I'll let yeah. you go. And so with I'll... just on that, that placebo, I think it's a huge topic and we could talk a whole lot about it. But one really interesting to think about thing to think about is that uh, often people who are not engaging in their like in activities and sports or whatever will say like oh you know I probably just need surgery like I've you know I've got so much wear and tear it's bone on bone I need surgery um, but then now they've gone and done uh, placebo surgeries where they look at knee arthroscopy so basically going in and cleaning up that that um, knee that you're complaining yeah, about yeah exactly and, and you know making it look neat and tidy and, and like getting rid of some of that damage and uh, whatever and basically they've done placebo surgeries where they um, the surgeon will do like everything else will happen normally. They'll have like, you know, the anesthetist come in, they think they're getting the surgery. They've ticked off that they're part of the study. So it's not just a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but basically the, the surgeon will make the incisions exactly as they would usually. And then they'll, um, get like a random number generator or a card or whatever, which will randomly allocate whether or not they actually perform the surgery. And so they've opened everything up and then the surgeon finds out whether or not they're doing the surgery. And if they're not doing the surgery, they stitch things up, send the person back out 
treat them exactly as they would um, any other patient. So the, yep. you know, the rehab they, and everything's the same. Yeah, they'd yep. have no idea. And basically there's no difference uh, with that. Yeah, like, you can't tell the difference between people who have had the surgery and people who haven't had the surgery. Yeah. So placebo is not just a mental thing. It affects your physical body as well. Yeah. And pain and, ex- and exactly the same thing. Like pain does not equal the amount of tissue damage. So yeah. if they've changed the damage in the tissues, but there's no, been no change there. Yeah. And, and just to give you an example, there's um, cases of people in that study who were professional English Premier League players who had... Uh, needed to get that surgery done and went out and played there like just as good as they've ever played before thinking that they had the surgery. So yeah. it does, it's not just everyday people who just need to walk around, it's people that have to perform at the highest level. So number four, uh, acute pain serves as a useful protective function to warn danger or injury. 100%. We're not saying that you want to get rid of all pain all the time. And as we've uh, talked about, that, yeah, like pain is giving you information and it should be res- like related to your sort of perceived threat of the, of the situation. So if you've, you know, just torn up most of the front of the the front of your shin then it's a good amount of pain to say like hey don't, don't do that maybe again. don't yeah. get on your bike yeah. and keep going yeah. like yeah, that's you should exactly right. absolutely stop now yeah um and, and on that i talk to my son and my kids about this all the time when they hurt themselves you know pain serves a very very important um uh, uh purpose and they've even done sort of um research on you know some pe- certain people are born without the uh, mechanism to experience pain they don't and last long. The, the majority of <laughs> them die before they're five years old so it's uh it like it really really is uh, something yeah. that our body and brain relies on to keep us safe and and to prevent us from um exposing ourselves to physical harm and yep. and potentially dangerous situations yeah. so, so next time you are in pain just think about it as like hey thanks body like, yeah that is good information good job yeah that's exactly, exactly right if it's yeah. in that acute uh kind of situation where the you know the stimulus like the pain experience that it matches the 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 stimulus that you're, yeah. you're and, experiencing and if it's not and it's just ongoing then you may need to sort of yeah. go through some so that's the next point which is that chronic um pain results from a hypersensitive nervous system and usually no longer warns of damage so i've talked a bit about um sort of tissue healing times before with um you know your your muscles usually sort of six to depending on the severity sort of after like six weeks like you should be kind of your muscles kind of mostly healed and then up like up to three months for muscle stuff is usually pretty good and for um bone uh, and for bones tendons uh ligaments like within six months like hey the the like the tissue has healed itself like yeah um so when you still are getting pain from those t- there's if you've had an acute injury like you've you know twisted your ankle or hurt your knee or whatever. Just, and then quick, just quickly explain the difference between acute injury and um, uh, what's the chronic. other word? Chronic injury. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I'm trying to get into here where basically after you've, if you've had an acute injury where you've done like a traumatic thing that has hurt that structure or it could be an overuse thing can still be related to like an acute, acute phase. Yeah. So basically you've you've identified that there's something going on there. There's a mechanism that's caused There's a caused mechanism it. that's yep. caused that injury. You've spent sort of three for three months for like muscular, simple muscular sort of stuff, maybe up to six months for, um, bone uh, connective tissue. Yeah, exactly. But bones, bones are amazing at healing and often better to injure than your, your uh, muscles as well, because they, and especially ligaments, because they heal stronger than when they were originally injured. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> but after it, you, I'm sure that four minutes, plenty of people have experienced that you've had something that you maybe injured, you know, six plus months ago and you're still experiencing pain from that. Uh, you've got to understand that the pain is now no longer giving you that useful information that the acute sort of phase initially did, um, warning of danger injury. You don't have that danger. You don't have that injury anymore. And yep. now it's this sort of hypersensitive nervous system that is, um, you know, 
it's hypersensitive because maybe because you've got these sort of physiological changes that impact the spinal cord level, as I talked about, or maybe you've now got these thoughts, moods, and beliefs that have been negatively affected by your injury where yep. maybe you stopped going to the gym, maybe you stopped, you know, running, which you used to love, which made you feel, you know, good yep. and happy and healthy, um, which has then impacted, you know, maybe you put on a bit of weight, maybe you've gone down that kind of classic spiral of then you start not eating as well. Um, so all of these sort of factors from the initial injury, which aren't related to acute um, danger or injury, all of these factors are now um, impacting your your nervous system to amplify any sort of um, feeling that you get from uh, that area. So a kind of classic one is with people get really sensitive sort of scars and um, basically you've got to try and desensitize those scars because people have these, you know, yeah. like you get so sensitive about something that you any signal from there is just like, unbearable yeah, so yeah I, I actually experienced that with my um and with that's my why people shin. that's why people get doing scar massage and, and, and that's what you've Mick, got a, uh, yeah. you, you know mick mccleary the massage yeah, yeah. service so he yeah. came in and worked on it with his little um oh, he's a tool he's a demon yeah and uh and honestly like it was the most horrendously just uncomfortable thing that i experienced but it completely fixed it yeah. it completely um fixed the pain <laughs> that i was experiencing there yeah so just to be um uh, kind of wrap that up um yeah so once you've kind of had in that chronic pain state where you um all of those factors that we've talked about already before are now amplifying any signal you get from there and then it feels like you've still got this injury but it's like when you think about how tissue healing works there's you know everything sort of should be yeah. okay and working there and you've got to remember that um with any part of your body you've got capacity so basically how much load you can handle and if you've been injured and then you've spent loads of time not training not being on your feet not um, you know, using that body part, your capacity is suddenly decreased massively. So any amount, the, if you try and just put the same load that you used to while you now have this lower capacity, basically you're not going to be as strong. And so people, so then you have those kind of signals being um, coming up from your body that are you're then hypersensitive about that then become pain. So yeah. I guess that's a little bit complicated, but basically chronic pain issues really come from um, you know, like this whole raft of things that we've been yeah, talking about. Yeah, and, 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 and they can be dealt with through the right sort yeah, of programming. Yeah, which is uh, number six, well done, Yanni, is uh, many treatments can help turn down a hypersensitive nervous system, reduce pain and improve quality of life. Yeah, and that's super important to understand, guys, because that ties in with what we're talking about here on a macro level, uh, overcoming that uh, that injury identity and being really proactive about the way that you do it, you know, um, um, uh, sort of relinquishing your need or reliance of, uh, of medication and, and pain pills and having a proactive approach to overcoming and managing your pain. I wouldn't even say uh, managing your pain. I think it's more overcoming like, your pain. Yeah, you know, and letting go of it. it. Letting like, go of it. Perfect, <laughs> exactly. You yeah. know, And you need... Um, uh, my my final thought, because we're going to bring this in for a landing, we're continuing this discussion tomorrow and throughout this week because there's a lot that we can talk about and I'm sure we're going to get some good questions in. But my um, final thought is that if you're not working with a an up-to-date um, therapist, um, uh, physiotherapist like Phil, who's aware of this sort of stuff and is uh, is using this as a central focus point for the management and the um, rehabilitation of injury, then you probably need to be asking these questions, you know, like because you can't, no amount of um, massage and no amount of um, manipulation and no amount of this and that is going to uh, fix uh, no. an, 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 a chronic injury that's that's now a, a wiring issue in the brain. Yeah, yeah, and can often sort of like amplify things in when you think about your thoughts, moods, and beliefs. Like so many people, are like oh, you know, I just go into the chiro for a tune up, or I see the massage therapist, like, or you know, physio for you know, I just need a bit of ongoing sort of maintenance work. Yeah, which 
kind of is that idea that um, you know that you're relying on someone else and it, it's something outside of your control. Yeah, like locus exactly of control right. is such an important thing to understand that if you uh, then you know you get to that sort of three month mark and you're like, oh, I'm due for my my yeah. tune up. Then yep. suddenly you've got this sort of part of your brain that's like, oh, you know, there's something not right with me. I need to get it fixed. Yeah. When yeah. really, and that's going to and amplify and increase any sort of stimulus that you're getting. Yeah. So now, look, I and I'll just say on that note, I am a, a glutton for therapy. I love it, and I call it spinal map, uh, masturbation. I, I go to. Uh, I have a, a, a good friend who's an amazing chiropractor, and I genuinely love the feeling of going to a chiro and coming out and feeling really great. And I, go, I have a massage with Phil every week, and I get him to uh, even adjust my uh, my spine. Um, thoracic. Uh, just thoracic spine, yeah. Uh, and I even get like I have my girlfriend who's like forty kilos. Uh, my my fiance Kalisha walk on my back all the time, and and I love it. I, f- I think it feels amazing. And and um, so I'm not. Uh, we we don't want to. Um, yeah, uh, but you know, I guess if you anything. just no, exactly. Like it's just to understand like when. Uh, your mindset around it. So basically, yeah, like that's exactly your right. mindset. It's okay to do it as masturbation, <laughs> but it's not okay to do it if you think that it's solving your problems. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, and it's just that kind of awareness around, like, do I am I getting this because I want this, or am I getting this because I, I, I need, need this? Yeah, like, that's exactly right. So yeah, exactly and is, right. And you know, maybe like it's appropriate to have some hands-on therapy for a little while to help you get through that initial phase. But if there's no kind of plan for how you're then going to be able to self-manage, that's when I see it becoming really problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Jerakichi, um, Bioxid, Quok, and uh, I think that's it, who commented. If you did like what you heard, please do flip the screen if you're watching on a smart device and hit that little like button. Uh, if you're watching it on television, then go to your computer and hit that little like button. If you're yeah. watching it on a computer, don't be lazy, hit that little like button. And if you dislike anything that we do, double tap the dislike button. Uh, we are going to continue this discussion tomorrow. Yeah, if people are interested, like I'd really like to you know, know if you know this is all too much and too... And if anything's unclear, like if you want me to sort of simplify it more or or, or go deeper into it, like it's super interesting. That's exactly right. Um, Look, I want to go, I want to continue on this discussion because I'm learning from it as well. And I'm sure there are people out there that are. So we're going to hit this up again tomorrow. And off the back of this, uh, we're going to finally do our series on um, tendonitis. Tendinopathy. Tendinopathy. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> oh, I get that wrong every time. Every time. It's Tendinopathy. And uh, most, more precisely, and we're going to really, really focus on uh, strategies to manage elbow or forearm tendinopathy, which I'm super excited about because yeah. I know a lot of you have been waiting for this. Uh, so if you know, if you yourself or you know uh, anyone who's kind of got these chronic issues with pain and, you know, they've, they're always coming up with reasons why they can't get into training related to pain or if you know someone who's just, you know, so reliant on pain medication, uh, please share either the, the video or the podcast um, with them and, and, and just give them that, you know, you're helping them. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. that's what we're trying to do here. We really want to help people. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So. All right, guys, well, we're going to bring this in for a landing. Richie's got to go teach a class. We've got a big tribe of people out there. I think Rad might be helping out with it. And um, in the meantime, keep training no matter what. It is, motion is lotion. That's uh, from Phil directly. And uh, it's super important that you guys keep your bodies moving. Till tomorrow, we'll see you soon. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. 
There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.